0: This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. The Rotexi Trojan evolves into phishing and ransomware. Bad apps are found in Google Play. An open-source library used in cryptocurrency wallets had a wide-open backdoor. Facebook goes before Parliament, which seems in a pretty feisty mood. Pegasus spywares found to have been deployed against journalists in Mexico and elsewhere. Russia escalates its hybrid war against Ukraine. Do people care if their smart speakers eavesdrop? What about their smart light bulbs? From the CyberWire studios at Data Tribe, I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire summary for Tuesday, November 27th, 2018. Researchers at Kaspersky Lab have been following the evolution of the Rotexi mobile malware. It emerged as an SMS spyware trojan in 2014, but it's now boasting additional features in a wave of recent attacks, some 70,000 between August and October. Most of Rotexi's targets are located in Russia. The malware has retained what Kaspersky calls its staple and unique feature, a three-headed command and control combination that includes conventional servers, SMS messaging, and the Google Cloud messaging platform. The current version spreads by smishing, and as soon as it launches, it requests admin rights on the victim device. It checks to ensure that the device is located in Russia, looks for signs that it's running in an emulator, and then moves on from there. Rotexi has retained its familiar spyware functionality but added a ransomware capability and a phishing page that goes after pay card details. And it's not naive either. Rotexi checks to ensure that the pay card details the victim enters are genuine. Kaspersky says there are some mitigations available, but they caution that they may not work for long. Rotexi's operators have shown a disposition and ability to adapt. Several malicious apps have been found in Google Play. Eight of them, according to researchers at Idaho-based security firm Cochava, are ad fraud fronts, which Cochava suggests are associated with two Chinese firms that also operate in the U.S., Cheetah Mobile and Tech. And Trend Micro is also reporting ad fraud apps posing as Android voice apps. They suggest that this foreshadows the formation of a significant botnet. Some, but not all, of the malicious apps have been taken down. Some unknown hoods succeeded in surreptitiously insinuating a backdoor into the widely used EventStream JavaScript library. Warned by a researcher on GitHub last week, project manager NPM issued a warning yesterday. It appears that the backdoor was designed to steal from Bitcoin wallets prepared by the vendor Copay. Copay says the infected code was deployed in versions 5.0.2 through 5.1.0. Users should assume their keys were compromised, and they should move their funds to new wallets upgraded to version 5.2.0. Facebook is in front of a parliamentary inquiry in the UK today. An interesting feature of this particular inquest is MP Damien Collins' threat to release internal Facebook emails obtained through what are being called unprecedented parliamentary powers. Those unprecedented powers involved, according to the Telegraph, the House of Commons Sergeant-at-Arms intercepting a traveling executive from a company that's been involved in litigation with Facebook. Ted Kramer, who founded U.S. app maker 643, was given two hours to hand over the emails. When he refused, he was frog-marched to Parliament, and threatened with fines and imprisonment, which brought him around to Westminster's way of thinking. So, Commons now has the emails and says they can dox Facebook if they please, as a matter of parliamentary privilege. 643 sued Facebook when the House of Zuckerberg changed its privacy policies in ways that drove 643 to shut down one of its apps, Pikinis. Until Facebook fessed up to what was going on and decided it was all in poor taste, and probably going to wind up in litigation somehow, users could employ bikinis to search for pictures of their Facebook friends who were wearing bikinis. A European commission joined by Britain, France, and Belgium is also interested in talking to Facebook about privacy, and they've warned Mr. Collins not to release the emails, which are under seal by the state of California. Mr. Collins says that's for the commons to decide. Both Facebook and Google have come in for criticism recently in Europe, the former for alleged data abuse and fake news, the latter mostly for alleged monopolistic practices. Paradoxically, GDPR has seemed to work in the two companies' favor, as the EU data protection regime may have suppressed upstart competitors. Organizations in the federal space have their own unique set of cybersecurity challenges, and many of them have come to rely on open-source solutions to meet their needs. Sean Bierweiler is vice president of U.S. public sector at Hortonworks, and he joins us to provide some perspective. Uh,
1: they are probably one of the leading vectors of uh, having data being populated every day from sensors and their missions and just being able to store that uh, and access it. Uh, one of the biggest challenges that they have is they have very... Antiquated legacy systems that were developed for very specific missions and very specific use cases at a time when data was much more predictable. You knew exactly what a cell was going to contain uh, and it would always contain that specific structure. And so an anomaly was easy to detect. Fast forward to today where you've got uh, significant different producers of data in varying formats coming at rapid cases uh, and the expectations for that information are growing exponentially as well so not only do you have much more complicated information uh, data coming from different directions but users have much greater expectations both from a use case as well as a response right they expect real time information from that data
0: and so you're advocating that uh, open source solutions help uh, break down some of those silos Take us through uh, what leads you to that conclusion.
1: Uh, when you look at uh, the innovation of technology, open source has been a prevailing enabler of that. The approach, the culture, the the ways that you have various groups coming together to help continue to advance technology is undeniable. The, those cultural uh, enablers uh, are not limited to specific technologies. They, they can also be... Uh, applied to the cyber landscape when you think about threat detections and and various anomalies that are being detected. And so that, uh, that open approach of promoting sharing, collaboration, interoperability is one of the reasons why you see the greatest technical advancements happening in that open collaborative environment.
0: And so, what are your recommendations for those who are in the federal space, in the public space, in terms of of approaching this? What's the best way that they can uh, get started if they want to integrate some of these open source tools?
1: Well, I think the, the the number one step is first taking a step back and and identifying what your requirements are, and acknowledging that a holistic data approach is necessary. You know, all too often we have these very quick band-aids that we put on solutions that may solve a specific problem but effectively uh, create more problems tomorrow second is you know look for the right partners that are able to harness the power of the open source community and package it in an enterprise consumable fashion we don't do everything but we we have a very vast and broad community and we're able to bring the the strength of numbers to customers and partners alike to be able to address potential concerns, potential requirements. You know, One of the great things about the community is that if a capability or feature doesn't exist currently, you're able to get that into the roadmap and, and develop it and push that innovation forward.
0: Are, are there any things that, that people need to look out for? Are, are there, there any downsides to taking this approach that uh, people should be cautious of?
1: Well, it's important for every customer to understand their specific requirements and the timelines that... Uh, that come with them. I don't think any approach is a silver bullet, one size fits all for for anybody. Uh, but I certainly think, gen- generally speaking, that an open architecture and an open collaborative approach to addressing those requirements has limited downside in, in any application. Uh, I think it's important for customers to truly understand what it is they're trying to accomplish, their specific constraints their, uh, and their priorities and requirements, and then to find the right partners to address them.
0: That's Sean Beerweiler from Hortonworks. Citizen Lab reports that associates of slain Mexican journalist Javier Valdez Cardenas received texts carrying NSO Group manufactured Pegasus spyware. Cardenas was murdered in 2017, apparently by the drug cartels he investigated. Citizen Lab notes that Mexico's government has been a customer of NSO Group. Russia's guttering war against Ukraine erupted in naval attacks against Ukrainian ships in the Sea of Azov. Ukraine says Russia's intent is to consolidate its control of Crimea and ultimately establish sovereignty over the Black Sea as a whole. Ukraine has declared martial law, expect an escalation in the cyber operations that have marked this hybrid conflict. And finally, privacy? Bah! How many people are really as interested in it as one might think they ought to be? If Motherboard is right, if you've got a smart speaker, you're not particularly interested in keeping things to yourself. They reference a University of Michigan study that talked to 17 people, all of whom said, in effect, Well, Amazon and those guys already know a lot about you, so what does it matter if Alexa or Samsung hear a few conversations? The researchers find this disturbing enough to call it privacy nihilism. But we do note that 17 seems like a pretty small sample size. Maybe they tried to talk to a couple hundred who didn't want to answer a survey because they maybe felt it would compromise their privacy. And not only may your smart speaker be spying on you, but that smart light bulb could have its metaphorical eye on your data as well. In a demonstration by researchers at Checkmark's, They figured out a complicated method of using light from Bluetooth-connected bulbs to transmit data. You need a smartphone, a telescope, and an uninterrupted line of sight through a window. But it could happen.
2: Managing the requirements for modern security programs is increasingly challenging and time-consuming.
0: And joining me once again is Johannes Ulrich. He's the Dean of Research for the Sands Institute. He's also the host of the ISC Stormcast podcast. Johannes, welcome back. Um, Interesting topic you wanted to share today. We want to talk about DNS over HTTPS and what that does to network visibility. What do you have to share today?
2: Yeah, so this is a relatively new development where browsers, uh, foremost Firefox, are adding the capability to send DNS requests over HTTPS. Up to now, DNS has really been sort of the one protocol that didn't really consider privacy. All your DNS queries are sent in the clear. And of course, to visit any website, to do anything on the internet, you need DNS and you're leaving a footprint here. Of course, from a defensive point of view, that has also been really useful because with DNS, you're able to check, for example, if people are connecting to known malware sites or in general, if... uh, Software on your system is doing things it's not supposed to do, particular, of course, with everybody now using HTTPS and encrypting their web or the HTTP traffic. So uh, this has been really big in the sense that it really sort of blinds network defenders and it can actually be enabled by a user just by changing a browser configuration.
0: Now, is is this uh, all browsers are capable of this or is just particular ones so far?
2: Right now, it's really Firefox uh, that has enabled this feature and makes it really easy to turn it on. Other browsers haven't really done it yet, but uh, have announced they may do it fairly soon. So you'll see it show up in browsers like Chrome, for example, which is a major browser and has a large market share. Also on mobile devices, uh, Cloudflare, which is somewhat pushing the standard, has come up with a little app for iOS and Android that allows you to very easily enable this feature on these devices. And so what's the upside here? The upside is uh, privacy. So if you are traveling, if you're connected to a network that you don't necessarily trust, you're hiding this DNS traffic uh, from this network. Now, there's an alternative and that's DNS over TLS. Now, DNS over TLS uh, also provides privacy, but it's easily blocked by a network. So let's say you're connecting to a foreign network or from a foreign network that you don't trust, they could just block DNS over TLS blocking DNS over HTTPS is much more difficult because it just looks like any other HTTPS query. So it uses port 443 and the uh, risk sort of mixed in with all the other HTTPS traffic, which makes it very difficult to distinguish it and block it.
0: So if I'm an administrator at an organization, what should my attitude towards
2: this be? Well, you should be certainly careful about it because, like I said, it you lose visibility your option is uh, to either tell your users not to enable it or really to control your endpoints much more closely, which of course with bring your own device and uh, such uh, tends to be quite difficult. Like most time we are using network security tools like monitoring DNS logs, like intrusion detection systems in order to make up for some of the lack of control you have on the endpoint. Hmm.
0: Well, it's interesting as always. Johannes Ulrich, thanks for joining us. Thank you. And that's The Cyberwire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. And for professionals and cybersecurity leaders who want to stay abreast of this rapidly evolving field, sign up for Cyberwire Pro. It'll save you time and keep you informed. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow.